everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. I have another fantastic show planned, but as we all know, no plan survives first contact. So, um, well, you better get your subscribe up right away. Then. I was going to, I was just going to say, what's up? So you're already going? under contact. You're already flailing. I don't even know what's there. happening anymore. I, ah! Oh, I know. <laughs> hey, look at that. You can, uh, <laughs> if you haven't already, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and uh, join us every day here on The Collective as we learn and build and grow and we can shut her down right there boom 35 seconds for a show yeah. call it a day <laughs> thanks for joining seb see you next monday <laughs> well That's i figured since you know we we talked to him on saturday already we we're like okay we've done yeah an hour i feel like seven. i've had my fill okay can we, can we cut it <laughs> you filled your quota that's right once a week that's my max <laughs> check good to go yeah um so any uh any thoughts anything on the top of your head sean you got uh satch in the house oh yeah got a house guest uh satch uh, drove up from vancouver about seven hours uh to come hang out in Roslyn. Uh, he leaves tuesday morning um he came out here to have a coffee slash etc mm-hmm. and so it's been fun it's been good uh hanging out talking about a few things solving all the world's problems as we never do uh <laughs> but we are still working on the dolphin language we are trying to interpret that dolphin language excellent excellent that's good good uh Good use of your time. Good use of our time. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> what you, how's it going with you? What are you up to? Yeah, man, not much. Uh, just uh, negotiating in the terms in school and a bunch of different projects on the go and just finished my workout and walked in here nice and quick right before the call out time. Right Speaking the of walk, showed up early. let me segue directly into your mental uh, health walk uh, from yesterday. I saw the photo. Mm-hmm. And it looked like you're on the uh, on a large river rock bank, looking out into some water, etc. So how'd the walk go? It went really well. Uh, yesterday mm-hmm. was at Golden Ears, lower oh, yes, uh, lower trail, lower something trail. Anyways, a, a great trail. Um, lots of powerful water movements. You know, a lot of lot of flowing river and and waterfalls and all that good stuff. It's it's a really powerful spot that has also a, a bit of a clearing where we did a mindfulness stop, it has a clearing and the water is just super clear and the, the bottom is rock and the dogs can go in there and you can go in there if you want to, you know, refresh in the summer if it's warm or whatever the case may be. So one of the problems that we have here, and I don't know if you guys are encountering the same thing, is that our parks are actually asking for reservations for the summer, right? Oh, so yeah. Golden Ears wow. Park, Bunsen Lake, and a, a bunch of other amazing spots that we love to go and take the mental health walk to are actually you need to reserve in the summer but more mm-hmm. importantly people do reserve and they don't show up so they're taking yeah, spots yeah. and as limited spots as you might imagine and they're they're reserving every day so that they can they can have the option of going if they want to a lot of the times they're not going and so now we're we end up trying to get 25 cars in there which is completely impossible right. if if you have you know 30 40 people coming and so um, I will be addressing addressing this with with the park boards and and and, and that yeah. and try to see if there's anything that can be worked on if we can get a small bus or whatever the case may be. But oh yeah, yeah, it it just takes a lot of locations away from us in the summer, and that's extremely frustrating. So just to walk around, like yeah, yeah, but but yeah, but to walk you around start- you got to drive there to walk around. So then you got parking, and and that that's is right. one of the big challenges is the. The, the limited parking space and and so then they're they're not so much managing park attendance as as they are managing parking mm. absolutely and and i can i i'm i'm not 
I'm definitely not like thro- throwing rocks here because there is value to this. I mean, people are, you know, there's four people in a party and four cars. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Like you guys carpool. And, and I think most of our people are encouraged to do that. And most of them actually do. And so, but once you have an organized group, it's very difficult to control everybody coming from everywhere. And it, it isn't necessarily conducive to carpooling. So it's, it can be challenging. So it's, it's just a matter of trying to find some sort of bridge the gap so that we can continue using some of those incredible locations over the summer because it's it really takes away from the experience and yes we have alternative locations and some some pretty crazy locations as well so it's not like they're all out of play but a lot of the best ones are unfortunately yeah and i think one of the problems that you'll you'll face no at least as my guess is in order to encourage people to come out on the mental health walk, maybe for their first time or their second time, you want to make it, you know, jazz hands. You want to make it like, wow, that place is amazing. I really want to go there. Even though it's my first time and I'm nervous and et cetera, I've always wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. And so it's tricky. You want to pick the spots that hit, but mm-hmm. that's hitting with everyone. And so, you know, now it's crowded. So it's tricky. Yeah. I think what, what people were complaining about last year, so for example, at Bunsen Lake here in the Belcara area near Port Moody, um, was the fact that definitely it was quite evident that people were booking the spots and not using them. And so you couldn't get a spot to save your life. And then yet what people would do is they would walk like a bunch of kilometers off the street to go inside the trail. Oh, yeah, yeah. And by the time they get there, half the parking lot is empty. Right. Right. So, so it, it's almost like um, maybe, and I don't know what that looks like. I, so I'm not, you know, I generally, when I bring problems, I bring solutions along with them. But if what, what happens if the person actually isn't there and is, is there even a mechanism in place to identify that? And my guess oh, is no. no, there isn't. No, no. Right? It's, it's all done on uh, faith. It'd be very labor intensive to try to police that. But at the end of the day, you need to think like if we have a after one season of doing this, if we have a 35% no show, we need to almost factor in a 20% no show and additionally book some spots. Yeah. Right. So you can increase the, the amount of spots considering like a 20% no show. So you, it still gives, gives you a 15% buffer, give or take, and uh, and you're good, right? Like it kind of like how Air Canada runs this business. <laughs> <laughs> Unsuccessfully though. <laughs> oh man. They got, you're, you're, uh, just, you're just not getting any government uh, bailouts every month uh, like Air Canada is though. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, when you're federally subsidized, I think you can, uh, right. you can re- relax your... Uh, the ability to schedule things. We do have a couple. I uh, just want to hit this up. Winter Storm. Morning. Good to see you. Morning, boys. Carl. Good to see you as well. Morning. And Patrick. All good jumping in. Good mornings. So we'll... Uh, any thoughts on... Uh, I do have a question on the... Uh, you just did number 30, right? For your mental health walk? Yes. Yeah? That was Mister. Okay. That was number 30. Yeah. So we've been up for 60 weeks now because it's every two weeks. So it's bi-weekly. And so this might change eventually, but it's been really good because it's been really sustainable. And actually, people have been looking forward to coming two weeks later. And I I find that likely, and I I can't confirm that until I actually try it, but I find that there's probably more engagement on account of the limited amount of walks that we're doing and the set deadline. Yeah. Yeah. If you have the option every weekend, it's, I feel like people would be a bit bit less engaged. So, and what's the precious? It's not Mm -hmm. as valued, it's not as Christmas presenty. You know? Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, 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 
I want to be there and and provide the community service, but at the same time, I need to juggle the rest the rest of my life, which is very hectic. So it's it's just a matter of sustainability. Yeah, we can all start things and doing them doing them, you know, at an incredible volume. But can you sustain it? If you cannot, you're eventually going to you know walk yourself off the whatever endeavor you've taken on so and and there's no there's no say that in a couple of years somebody doesn't take the walk over and i would it'd still be a success story as far as the creation of it and having it you know uh established and then having somebody else that has the the wits to do it to take it on and i'd be uh i'd be fantastic also but yeah for now i'm it so here's a question for you then um i've been curious about this is that are you seeing the same crew, like the same core people coming out every every couple of weeks and then have kind of peripherals in and outs? Or is it a pretty solid crew of people all the time? Yeah, so it's, I would say the bulk of our people are returning customers, so to speak. Like they're, they're the people that have been with us and, 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 and come in regularly. They, exactly, they're the core group. And then they will generally bring other people along that likely wouldn't have been there or wouldn't have heard of it or whatever the case may be. So we always have new people coming in, which is, I think, a critical piece of that because a lot of people that are intimidated by showing up or perhaps imagine that the group is so well established that everybody knows each other and you'll be the, the you know, the, the person that shows up that nobody knows or whatever the case may be. And it absolutely isn't the case. Like every walk, there's at least a five or six or seven people that have never met anyone, have never been there. And uh, within about three and a half minutes, they understand how futile it was to even be intimidated because our groups are so welcoming and we're set, the culture is set, right? Like, and this is, I don't care where you go. If you lead in any way, you better make sure that that culture is is what it needs to be, so that it's inviting for people to come in. And so we 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 you know we made sure and we make sure and all our people are very welcoming and and even if somebody is very uncomfortable, by the time they show up, generally two minutes in, they're like, okay, I can breathe now. And uh, and then you start you start seeing those people being returning customers and bringing bring people along with them and everything. One of the misconceptions that's still going around is that this is specific to first responders and it isn't it absolutely isn't yes we do have a lot of first responders by way of you know me and my background and 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 and, uh and the people that know me but we have a ton of non-first responders and everybody kind of pulling the same direction we have people at all walks of life people that think a certain way other people that think the complete opposite but ultimately they have all have one thing in common <laughs> they're they're wanting to focus on wellness for two hours on sunday at 9 a.m <laughs> That's pretty you know. good. What's uh, Sean? You had a point there a second ago, or uh, no? I, I was I was more I was just gonna make an observation on how successful it it seems it has been, and then ask you if over the thirty sessions, the delta or the difference between the first time to now, how you didn't expect something to happen or how something new evolved that you didn't anticipate or, Oh, I didn't expect to learn that. So, I mean, it's a body of work. And so I'm curious as to what your learnings are. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it, it was more, I guess, a, of a cooperation of something I already kind of knew, which was sometimes the most effective things are the simplest. And we want complicated because otherwise, why wouldn't we have done it? 
and that and it starts exposing you know if 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 all i had to do to feel better about my anxiety was to go for a walk in the woods well pff, i would have done it obviously right no and it is that simple i mean you, you, you absolutely i mean i i told a story before when i woke up a couple of weeks ago and not having any issues with recurring anxiety, but I still experiencing anxiety, just like anybody else. I woke up one morning and I was, I was feeling very anxious for my baseline. And, uh, and I told, I told a friend of mine, I was like, you know what? I, we need to go in nature and we need to take the dogs out. And we went to this waterfall hike and we were there for four, maybe six hours. And I came out of there ready to conquer the world. Like I was good to go. Like it is absolutely insane what it does for you. And so, uh, you know, the corroboration of that th uh, through people coming in uh, was just a cementing that, yes, this is very effective despite the fact, despite its simplicity and also, um, from the get-go, one of the things that we have done was to, excuse me, was to was to provide them with a little piece, a little actionable piece for the week, and it's it's kind of a you know constructivist way in that we are we are addressing the piece, and if the piece doesn't apply to you, then you just move on and wait for the next in the next two weeks something will apply to you and that you can action your own life, and we have seen incredible growth from our members that are coming all the time with respect to, you know, imagine being given a golden nugget every two weeks that you can work on then for two weeks and apply. And then you come back and as you already sort of moved forward in your ability to negotiate this journey, you actually get another piece that's really helpful that helps you in another area. So we have seen some incredible growth. And one of my measures of success, uh, however tacky this might sound, is, is a bit of how the social media piece is unfolding, but also how the interactions are occurring between our people. And you can hear them speak, and they're just different humans, right? Considering like 60 weeks later compared to yeah, where yeah, they yeah. were with their yeah. own journey and their their ability to articulate certain things and it is absolutely undeniable and 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 if i want to go a step further we're receiving dms and texts and messages consistently from people saying like look not only has this helped my husband but also it helped us the entire family because he's a different man mm -hmm. you know when he come when he comes home and so we can all sit here and 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 wait for the absolute best solution where we where we can help everybody get out of their dark hole, or we can implement something that has enough potential and enough demonstrated um, supporting evidence to to continue doing it on a on a regular. You know. Do you have any examples? Do you think you could hit us up with a couple of like little nuggets that you would pass on to some of the people that way? You know, and that way we can get a really solid view of what it is you guys are talking about out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it could be anything, and it can be the same, the exact same subject of conversation that we're having here on the on the on the collective, right? It can be like focus is a choice. Focus is a choice. It is not an accident, and it, you don't use a cop out of you know, humans can only focus for this long. Not the case. You can focus for as long as you want to, you know, and and don't use that as a as a as a as a. And so, if there are certain things that you you know you're you're writing yourself off on account of you know having ADHD or having anxiety or having PTSD or OSI or whatever the case may be, what are some of the things that are destructive to you right now? You know, like so, it's it's no different than all the subjects of conversation that we're having here, except we pick a very small piece, and we actually 
we actually just say, look, something to consider. And it's more of a consideration rather than, you know, it's not directive, right? It's a, it's, mm. it's, it's a consideration. Like those are some of the things you're going to have to, you know, we can address victim mentality. We can address deflection. We can address, we can address physical fitness or physical engagement, or we can address uh, being comfortable, being uncomfortable and all those things, all the, 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 you know, the, the nuts and bolts that are creating those wellness mechanisms in the four pillars of resilience. Right. I like that a lot. It's, it's yeah. nice. It's enough to just allow people to actually figure out how to put it into their own lives. Right. Versus saying you need to do X, Y, or Z. It's just, here's, here's a little piece, figure out how it fits. It's up to you. Enjoy. <laughs> what do you and, and, oh, Go ahead. I thought oh, hang on a sec. It. So that is nice, but there is a bit of a difference between what we do over here on the collective and what you're doing on your mental health walk. What we can't do over here is hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. But yeah. on a mental health walk, it's not like you're taking names and holding people accountable. The group holds itself accountable. So I know how it works. We all know how it works. When you show up in front of someone two weeks later, so you've gone out on your first mental health walk, the second mental health walk, it's not that there's expectations of you, but you've kind of got to get with the program to some mm -hmm. degree. There is kind of an expectation of you. And if you've been on 10 mental health walks, now all of a sudden you're like a sub leader. Mm -hmm. And then you're 20 mental health walks into it. Now you're like a, second in command mm -hmm. and as you evolve through a group dynamic where there's physical connection every two weeks your game elevates itself because the group expects you to be part of the elevation of the group that's what happens but that's not what happens here on the collective because there's no way to hold anyone accountable other than we hope that the knowledge that is passed on is embedding itself and providing good uh, positive outcomes, which I believe is the case. But it we're missing the reinforcing part of the the group physicality all being together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a very it's very powerful indeed. Like you're absolutely right with that, and it's really interesting to see how people are evolving through the relationships that they're creating on the walk, and even how their conversations are evolving as the time goes, and as they're as they're becoming more aware, more capable of dealing with the some of the issues in their own journey, even if they don't have any major issues, just little things that optimize their 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 life performance so to speak and so it's been it's been really really interesting and i think what you are seeing as well is people taking a little bit more accountability so they'll come in and say if they had a really bad week or if there has been things that are impacted their lives negatively on you'll you'll see them start kind of venting and then recovering and and bring themselves back and saying okay so now this is what I know I need to be doing is, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so you can tell right away that there is a certain self-policing that occurs there as a result of realizing that in the context, I can't really, I'm bitching to the wrong crowd here. It isn't going to help, right? Whereas what are some of the actions that I want to be taking and, and in order to help, help myself and, and, and others. And so it's been really good. It's also been really good to have people with various lenses because I don't want this to be the Seb show quite to the contrary. And we have a lot of people that professionally are helping 
people in the field of mental mental and emotional wellness, even spiritual wellness in, in some cases. And uh, we have, you know, uh, great people, just, you know, spe speakers and, 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 and people that work in, in group therapy and, you know, whatever the case may be. And so what I will do is I will generally assign a topic, a certain topic to somebody, and I will have them address something that comes out of left field, maybe for me, you know, like, like something I'm not necessarily either familiar with or inclined to talk about. And it's just a different, it just brings a different piece. So everybody has the ability to connect with somebody different. So if they don't necessarily relate to me and what I'm saying, but they can relate to this person and this person and that other person, you know, that comes from somewhere that's perhaps more relatable to them. I'm not sure if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. It uh, It's actually quite neat because uh, as you guys were saying earlier about uh, the culture and the fact that it's kind of set, is that I could see where people might think that it, it there is a a requirement to be accountable to those around to the group, right? And you have to be accountable to the group, but it doesn't sound like that. It sounds a bit more like that uh, the culture within the group is that you're accountable to yourself, and that everybody's accountable to themselves, and therefore, when, as you go there more and more and more, you just start to realize how accountable you are to your own self. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and then start taking steps toward it that sound about right but like kind of where we're where you're sitting yeah absolutely and for me you know me i i always focus on internal factors like there's there's a lot of external factors that you can bring in the picture the problem with external factors is you have zero control over them yet you don't and so if they change then what the whole thing changed? No, just focus on you. And if it just so happened that some external factors are either helping or assisting or or there to witnesses or whatever the case may be, you know, you, you've still controlled the parameters that you should have focused on, which is you. Like focus on you, focus on having your own ability, uh, accountability card in your own pocket. So that way you never run out of it and you never have to have anybody else hold you accountable. You learn to do that internally. And the more of the, those internal mechanisms we can develop, and this is kind of, you know, we were talking about the pursuit of, um, of, of, of eventually self-rescuing from a really, really bad situation from an emotional and mental standpoint, that be the benchmark. I hold to that very wholeheartedly. The more, the less amount of people you will need eventually, and that's not to say that as you're going there, that you're not utilizing all the resources that you can. But the goal, the ultimate goal is self-reliance. How can I self-rescue without any help whatsoever if, I, if, I, if I've worked the mechanisms enough that I'm there now, right? And so and this is always the end goal. Complete internal control, not worried about external factors. Whatever happens, happens. I'll be there reacting the way I know I should, you know? Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Do you have any, have you had any like uh, completely out of left, uh, out of left field moments where just everything kind of went south and you were able to witness the group either just kind of accept it or, um, you know, use the tools that you guys have been engaging in? Have you seen any of that directly during the walks? No, not really. We, we've, we, you know, and touch wood, I mean, we, we've had a few hard times Like we've had there was a lady that was very attached to the group that wanted to to come walk with us for the longest time and and i say attached she was attached virtually she was following everything she was reading the post she was she was connecting with people that attended a walk all the time but she was very sick and just couldn't um, couldn't make it out and she ended up passing away this week 
<clears throat> and uh, uh, Pat was her name and just a great lady. But uh, so we've had a few incidences where people are going through some very serious things, like not, not, not things that you can kind of just brush off. And, and I think that what I have observed is the dynamic of the group is, is generally helping a lot as far as regulating, uh, you know, some of the emotions associated with some of the harder situations that we've been in. So I think that if I was to look at it from a leadership standpoint, the synergy and the, the um, interconnectivity, so to speak, between people has been quite incredible. And I think that if you, anytime that you take people that have been through a lot that have been through adversity, which is, you know, the bulk of our people. And yes, there are people that are preemptive in their approach, which is absolutely awesome. They're not reactive that, you know, nothing necessarily happened, but they are just going through life like anybody else. And everybody has their struggle and they're preemptively addressing their wellness. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're really seeing it as a, almost like a self-sustained entity now. And what I love to see, which I love to see when I was on the team is that I can actually leave put somebody else in charge and the whole thing unfolds as it should. And everybody has a great time and everybody's done, you know? And, and so I want to make myself obsolete to the group as early as possible. So they are self-sustained. If something happens to me, this continues. And that's mm -hmm. always my plan, whether I'm leading, you know, a tactical unit or, or, or something like this, an, an initiative like this. But as soon as everything relies on one person, it's very sketchy place to yeah. be. Yeah. Anytime you are truly indispensable, then what happens when something goes wrong? Because things go wrong. Always. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Uh, Eric's got a good comment here. No man is free who is not master of himself. Absolutely. And I think this is really key. Um, Sean, you're awfully quiet there, standing at ease. You're, uh, you can relax. I'm just listening. Good. Don't you worry about me. I've given up enough drill commands to guys like you that I understand. <laughs> so um, just listening to you, Seb, I think the thing that stood out to me is you, the, you've built a community that uh, works well together. And if someone's having a struggle, the group supports them. But that doesn't happen on day one. It takes some time. The culture takes some time to develop. And the culture is shaped by the leaders that are guiding the group. But eventually... The leaders have to step out of the way to take a look at how the group acts when the leader's not around, which is precisely what I did this morning in my live IG chat. I was only a few minutes into it, and I said, hey, Satch, here's my headphones. Take over. And it was, it was not a spur-of-the-moment thing for me. I, I think about the things that I do, and I wanted to observe the moment. And so my observation was this that over a period of time, I've developed a small virtual group community and they know how to interoperate with me. They know how to interoperate with each other. We've got a pretty cool vibe overall, I would say, but I've never handed the microphone off to someone else and said, get after it. And, and it played out as I expected. The group's culture continued to be the group's culture. Mm -hmm. I'm not required. The construct is already being put in place. The, it, it wouldn't, I couldn't go so far as to say anyone can do what I do now. 
but the right people could do it. And it's more than just one now. It's There's a thousand people that could step into this mic now and do that with the group that I've created. And so it's a group that you create over a period of time. The culture develops itself as you like to shape it. Then you should be replaceable once it's developed. Yeah, I I, I agree whole, wholeheartedly with that. And, um, you know, there's a few things that I think are traps over time. So, and what that is, is, it, you have to ensure that the vision is so clear to everybody that sort of engages in, you know, the leading of it, so to speak, or the or the directing of it, or just make sure that the the parameters are well known, because it takes no time to start sliding. If if the person that's created it, if 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 their intent gets watered down. It, it takes no time to see things starting to inject themselves in the culture of a group. And I've had people say to me, you know, um, I know you think that when you left, nothing changed, but when you left, everything changed, you know, and, and there's a, and there's a reason, there's a reason why that was the case, because there are people that will act a certain way on account of not wanting to take you on, you know, and challenge some of the things that you are doing, which you're obviously uh, correct in doing but once the cat is not around some of those mice are going to come out and start dancing and doing weird things and so it's really really important for me it's not just like can this person can can this group run the but it's like actually be so extremely clear as to what the parameters are to maintain the same culture in the group whether or not I'm around that has to be passed on because that is you know, essentially the blueprint to success in, in, in whatever establishing the culture and maintaining the culture, because yeah, well, that's it's, the trick. It's sure the it consistency is consistency of discipline. Sure. It is consistency of never letting it slide even a millimeter. And that is not for everyone as a leader. Uh, people get sloppy. People get lazy. People kick it back. And that's where things go sideways. And so you can build a subunit or a unit to meet the needs of the task in front of the unit, the, the mission we'll call it. But the moment that you start getting lazy is the moment that you derail. And more importantly, the moment that you leave and a lazy person steps in is the moment it derails. The, the unit will take care of itself as long as they know that they aren't allowed to... Uh, aren't allowed to backslide so then mm. it all comes down to discipline agreed and i think the more people you can get engaged sorry chance no, like the more people the more people you can get engaged in 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 being the this this the the gatekeepers of that culture the better it is mm. if you have the right people in place and you have the right experience that alleviates the foreseeable issue that one day one of them is going to move on the other one's going to move on and next thing you know you're 10 years later and now who's done what and what was the actual intent of this and you have actually lost everything and yeah. that's possible and you could still be doing something that you know at face value looks really good but really has minimal impact on account of the intent of it was lost or the culture to operationalize that intent was lost you know i think this goes to there was a the post from i think another post from through dark or from blue blue line that you came out with that we we're talking about um 
the difference between imposed discipline versus self-discipline, right? And if you can have a team that is all self-disciplined up to a certain standard versus having an imposed discipline on the team of the standard, the moment that you step away um, and you're no longer imposing that standard, it's going to slide. But if everybody is imposing that or if everybody has their own discipline to maintain the standard, it doesn't matter who leaves. That mm -hmm. discipline, that standard will be upheld. At least yeah. And it's just a matter of, of pointing out the result and the symptomology associated with whatever culture you have, right? I, I think that's one, one key piece is that oftentimes, just as in if somebody is in a toxic, toxic relationship or in a toxic environment, they sometimes don't realize they're in a toxic environment until they leave the environment and realize, well, sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes you're in a really good environment, you don't realize it until you're gone, mm -hmm. right? So for me as a leader and for the leaders in the group is to reinforce the principles like, look, see this? Yes, this was because of our culture, right? Otherwise, where else would you see that? And I think our people have, have done a fantastic job of pointing out how beneficial things have been, uh, uh, passing on, you know, just the, 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 the respectful nature of the conversations or whatever the case may be. And, they, and they're, they're, they're essentially full-on buy-in to this, right? Like, so, it's, so it's not me convincing anybody of anything. It's like, look at what we, look at what we have and look at how it, it's, it's working for us. And it is, it is I would say, God, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 it is so gratifying to run that walk. It's really, really hard to explain. Mm. It's, and it's, you know, so. Well, we, well, try. What's, yeah. what's, what's the number one thing that you, that really strikes you? I just, I just, the one thing that I really love is people taking actions, right? It doesn't really matter if those actions are perfect. It quite, quite to the contrary. I expect those actions not to be. But also, there is a lot of verbal warfare going on, you know, with respect to what happens in life and how you're reacting to it and those types of things. But very few people are actually taking actions that we know are beneficial to help with whatever situation that they're in. And so you have, as at a time where we live in a world of victims, it's kind of nice to have people take the rein and say, I know this can help me. I'm not sure exactly how. But there is enough people around me and there's enough evidence to, su to support that. So I'm going to come in and give everything I have to the process. And I guarantee you that it's not always every Sunday or every second Sunday that people want to hear me speak. Like I just, it's, you know, it's, I, I can, I can guarantee you that it's not the case. Sometimes you just want to have a nice walk or whatever, but yet here we are, they're still getting a, a piece of information. They're still focusing in a part of the process. And so when you see that, and Sean, I know I'm preaching to the choir here because if, if there's anybody who loves somebody engaged in the process of becoming better and they will get all the help they need if they give you a hundred percent. Well, that's, that's exactly that's the same truth. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So that's exactly the same for me. When I see them, it motivates me so much to, to, to give them more, to research more, to, to, to look at, uh, at the people that are helping and leading the walks and see what they can bring as far as like varying the lens on, on some of the issues that we've discussed before, how can I reintroduce some, some, some discussions, some former discussions and, and see if things have, have evolved or, or perhaps things have evolved on my end, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's just a very, it's very gratifying to know that, yeah, everybody's talking a big game and deflecting and who's doing what for who, 
but we're doing it. Like we are doing the walk every two weeks. You want to join us? And it's, and it's what's also interesting is standing on the outside and standing on the sideline and looking at people that are consistent complainer of their own situation. And sometimes with reason, I'm not, I'm not downplaying what, it, whatever it is that they're going through. Yeah, sure. But the thing is, is how many times, and then I will get a text from them every second Sunday saying, Oh, uh, I got called in for work. Oh, uh, whatever the case may be. And so it's been 60 weeks now and they've never made one, but I can tell you this, Every 30 walks I've done, I've received a text from them with an actual justification as to why they're not there. Right. right. And so, and so having, and, and so what I'm, what I'm seeing is obviously they feel the need to, and this is for them. It has nothing to do with us, but because taking actions is actually sort of bringing a, a shining a spotlight on the fact that they are not, then they need to associate a certain reason why they're not doing it. Because otherwise, what is your actual reason? And so for me, when they come to me after and they're like, you know, I, I, I really would love to talk to you about this or that, the other thing, I'm like, dude, for 30 mental health walk, we address all of those things. You, you know, always had a good reason not to come or whatever. So it actually brings full circle that accountability back again. And I just love to take a mirror and put it in front of someone. And as I like to take it and, and look myself in it, mm. a lot of people are not doing that. But once you put a mirror in front of someone and you go, those are all the things that you're responsible for that you have not done. Okay. So now you're looking around as to who's to blame for what's going on in your life. What's interfering with you with the smooth operation of your journey or your daily operations. And really the one thing that you haven't done is 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 the work internally right to be where you need to be so well everyone loves thought mm -hmm. everyone loves a sexy thought everyone likes to think they're part of a sexy team mm -hmm. where it all falls apart is the first drop of sweat the first inch of conviction the first 30 seconds of oh this is gonna sting uh, that's, that's a disconnect. And I don't know how to move some people out of that. They think they're kicking ass or they think they're working on themselves or they think they're paying attention. I, I feel that there's almost two clubs. There's the club that likes to think they're in the game through thought. And then there's the club that understands you have to move to the other club that is called thought and then acted on it mm -hmm. and there's not enough people in that second club but there's a whole pile of people who are thinking up thoughts right now that are novel thoughts about how much better they're going to be in the future and it never lines up mm -hmm. and i don't know how people are so disconnected from the simple bridge of well just step off mm -hmm. step in mm -hmm. make an effort yeah, I mean, every it's almost like that anticipatory reward system, you know, base system where they're actually what they're doing is they're they're looking at a desire desirable outcome and they get a, a, essentially a pleasure hormone release from that, you know, as in every time they consider whatever the outcome is going to be, where where the grind starts and where the what 
getting to what it is that you want is one step at a time every day it loses its luster and it's <laughs> it's uh it's uh, it's you know it's it's appeal very quickly and you realize that this is a difficult process but just just think of it this way in relation to bring it back to the mental health walk the people that have showed up say 20 out of 30 of those mental health walk they received an incredible amount of extremely valuable information. And, 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 and I tell you what, I've had people say to me, like, look, I've been in therapy for freaking seven years and I've never even heard this. And now I did. And it's changed my life. So it's not just, it's not just talking to hear ourselves talk. Those are, those are things that we've had. And especially in my case where, and Sean, you know, you're obviously you're the same way I was able to see what it looks like when high performers are coming together. What are they doing? What are the consistent trend? What are the mindsets? How do you achieve certain things? And we can talk theoretical all day, but I'll, you know, there, there was a, a fight masters many, many years ago where some of the best scientists in, in the country were assembled in a room and they had uh, a, a soft, operator in there and they basically described what would happen to him when they put him in ice water and now with wim Hof and everything being very popular now it's no it's no novelty anymore yeah but i watched that uh, how he was as i've done myself controlled my own body temperature by moving blood flow to my extremities he, he was literally reversing the That's process right. I, I watched it yeah. And so doctors are sending their baffled because theoretically that cannot happen, you know, and in, 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 in the academic world, so to speak. Yeah, maybe and so, for them, but yeah, sure. here, here we are sure. doing it. hundred <laughs> percent. So, so I think it's important to embrace the fact that there is less empirical evidence, which is no less, uh, no less, uh, supported you know uh, so to speak but also that you have the other piece which is the research piece so we're acting on that premise we're acting on those at, on that basis but we are marrying it up with with an operational experience of what does it look like when you're surrounded by high performers mm -hmm. what did they think like what and i mean i can go on all day man i many years ago in 2013 i was coaching a team at the crossfit regional games and one of my athletes, who's a former military, former PPCLI guy with a couple combat tours, great guy, um, said to me something that I never forgot. What happened was, by way of his qualifiers, he was he was sort of in the in the third heat or sort of the the weakest heat, so to speak. And then, by way of performance, he actually found himself in the second heat. And then, by way of performance, once again, he found himself in the in the in the top tier. And he said that the difference in conversation mindset between the top tier and the second tier, and then the second tier and the third tier were like day and night, day and they're, night. They're like alien species to each other. Mm -hmm. he, he was talking about the second tier as being like, oh, you know, this is well, as soon as the event would be announced, they'd be like, okay, well, this isn't, this isn't really my event. You know, I'm not really, I'm not really a, a, a handstand push-up guy. I'm not really a, a, a strong lifter. I'm not really whatever. And so they would start building the, the wall of excuses that would justify whatever performance, piss poor performance they were going to deliver or what they would assume would be a piss poor performance. And so they're on the field doing the thing and they're the men in the arena and evidently they should be respected for that because that counts as a secondary achievement. But the, the top tier 
the top tier group was like, I got this. This is good to go. I've trained for everything I could. I'm, you know, like it's just the mindset was blowingly differently. Blowing different. It. Yeah. Precisely ready for war, you know, with your shield or on it. And so, yeah, anyways, that's, um, it's, we, we can't understand, uh, understate the importance of that, of having the ability to marry up the theoretical knowledge of wellness with the operational side of the people that are actually out there optimizing their life journey. Yeah. You know, so with Satch being here, uh, he just headed out for, we'll loosely call it a run. He ain't going to be running on our terrain. He's going to be hobbling up and <laughs> shuffling quickly. <laughs> anyway, uh, that'll be fun. So, um, faster than me, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, by the end of the shuffle, he'll be shuffling slower than most. So, um, one of the things that are is interesting to me with Satch being here right now is we were kind of talking about this a little bit uh, last night, and it was loosely around the subject of. Uh, how when he was first getting into the game of, I think I'm going to be doing some running, how in his mind he'd already run across Canada. And it's that, you know, you can have faith in yourself or you can have belief in yourself or you can have conviction on, on the mission or what have you, but it's not done yet. No. You haven't done it yet. And so a lot of people can kind of get it all up in their heads that they'll come up with a plan and the thought is the action and the thoughts already done. Actually, they're already a world champion. Mm -hmm. What, what do I move on to next? What's my mm -hmm. next thought? Uh, I think I want to be a world macrame champion. Okay. I've already done that. Cause I just thought it. So what's next. Mm -hmm. And so thought action. And so once he started including action in his thoughts and then started to realize like, Oh wow, this is actually going to take a lot of action then the, you, can, you can start to get a little discouraged because you start synchronizing up the big dreamy goal requires a bucket full of sweat every day. Mm -hmm. And if you're not comfortable with sweating, then find other dreams. Yeah. Yeah, man. Big if you don't like sweat. But we all should be dreaming big. And mm -hmm. that's disconnect you can't dream big and think it's already done yeah yeah it's a great no. great comment from julie here about this that uh says i could not agree more people think they're doing what it takes but they're not checking all the boxes they're only ticking the ones they want to mm -hmm. and i think it goes even further than this in that it's not even that they're ticking the ones that they want to they draw the box and go sweet done done right <laughs> good to mm -hmm. go um we got a couple comments here and then a question uh for you seb I just want to hit before we run out of time here. Tanya says, my nascent theory, complaining is relic relinquishing agency and choosing inaction. How to discern this from processing pain via verbalizing. Mm -hmm. Example of the coined tend and befriend, the coined tend and befriend behavior by Dr. Sapolsky. I don't actually know that mm -hmm. um, where that comes from, but Robert Sapolsky, I believe. Oh, there you go. From processing pain. Yeah, I mean, I mean, those two are not mutually exclusive. I mean, you can, you can, and it's important to acknowledge whatever it is that's occurring in your life. Like you can't just pretend that everything is just peachy because that's not going to work. And this is actually toxic positivity. And it is a it thing. Is. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it really... First thing I thought was like, it's every infantryman's right. 
mm -hmm. to complain. In <laughs> fact, I don't even like you if you don't have a little bit of complaining in you. But it's it's an artful practice. It's yes, a it tactful practice. Mm -hmm. It's it's not complaining to complain. It's mm -hmm. there's an art to it, of course. I agree, and and it's really it's really one thing to complain and to get the job done, anyways, yeah. knowing what needs to be done, and going down the the drain of cynicism, which create the shortcomings that we all see on account of the things that you are cynical about, or even worse, you become nihilistic, and now you're actually not even wanting to be a part of the solution because the the there's no hope. You know, and so it's re it's a very slippery slope and it's very, very quick to get there in between. And you may not realize that you've transitioned to the next phase of this operation, which is being just so negative that you're sucking everybody down with you. <laughs> and so something that's very common in policing, actually very common, you know, and you, uh, you've said this yeah. before. And I and mm -hmm. I said uh, when you said it last time, yeah, I kind of feel like I slipped into that myself to some degree at one point. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I got like uh super negative externally I, I just i was looking around me thinking like what is even going on like i mean does anyone even care mm -hmm. that is anyone even going to make an effort and so that's kind of what started dragging me down was i just saw people not trying and i don't know i got cynical for sure nihilistic maybe who knows but um i, I don't feel i did but maybe uh, I, I, I will sure say this, though. It's easy to backslide when you're surrounded by mediocrity that you can't organize and categorize. And that's where I was struggling. I was observing. I was ass assessing. And then I was categorizing it as such. What's the point, man? Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I kind of had to turn it around. And, well, the point is I'm going to kick some awesomeness into some people. It, maybe that's how I pulled myself out of my cynicism. Uh, but it, it, I don't think it's, I think it's there all the time lurking in the shadows. If you're, if you don't have a counter program to run against it. Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree more. I, I, um, for me, and, and um, we've spoken about this lots before. I mean, I am a master of policing what my head does. Like I just, and I, and I, I, I'm no good at anything, but I'm very good at that. Like if my head says something, I will immediately call it, call it out and say, no, that's not what's happening. This is what's happening, you know? And so I, it's not that the absence of those thoughts are not going, it's not that those thoughts aren't going through my mind is what action am I taking as soon as they enter the gates gets closed, shut mm. right in their face quickly. Mm. Right. And I think that's the biggest it's the biggest misconception when it comes to anything that can interfere with your life journey is to think that somehow it's easier for somebody else to, to, to negotiate the same things that you are going through when really at the end of the day, that person has to fight also to do that and to make every that day. happen yeah, every day, sure. every day, every thoughts. Like, it's easy for me to sit here and all of a sudden I'll have a negative thoughts enter my mind and my heart rate accelerates. And I start thinking that I'm a, you know, a, freaking useless and that I, I'll, I'll amount to nothing over the next couple of years, that my retirement will prove to be disastrous, that, you know, all those things, I can go down a rabbit hole real quick. And quick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's immediately stopped, right? It's a, uh, it's a challenging thing because I know I, I hit that realm of uh, cynicism and went deep into the nihilism <laughs> to the point that I was just like, I, I'm done. 
and stepping away from it all. And yeah, it you were weird. done for a long time. For quite a while, yeah. And it wasn't until, you know, getting called out a couple of times by people going like, what are you even doing? And then you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> and you start to like, you start to <laughs> analyze it, right? But that's part of it. That's, um, it took doing exactly what you're doing was putting the mirror up in front of my face and going, oh, right. And sometimes it was somebody else that uh, Sean and I were talking about this yesterday. It was that my, uh, my psych would do that regularly. She would just put the mirror in front of me and be like, what have you done about it? Well, uh, 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 uh nothing okay come back next week and we'll talk about that <laughs> right and then so that you can fall into that nihilistic trap super easy you go down that rabbit hole but it does take uh you know i was i had this image earlier of you seb from the i sent you a message on one of your pictures from your stories where mm-hmm. you were bareback and you're holding the reins and you had your hands up like this and i get that you were trying to stop but it looked like you were ricky bobby and you're like i don't know what to do with my hands yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um one of the things though when you have somebody that is new to riding they'll do one of two things. They'll either bring their hand, their hands up here with the reins mm-hmm. or they let go because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of goes along with what we're talking about here is that that is a, it's almost a natural reaction, right? It, you want to be able to see what you're doing right in front of your face, or I don't want to touch it. Right? Like, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't I'm going to make it worse. I'm just going to stop. But what actually is required when you're riding a horse, especially a new, uh, when a new rider is the maintenance of those reins and the maintenance of your hands low and the relaxation that you have to have in order to sit properly in that saddle and be smooth versus tense mm-hmm. and frigid and all those bad things. But, uh, it's a tough one. Um, Tanya says fetching is an art form. Most don't understand. That is a hundred percent true. Well done. You well done on the Yiddish. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> fetching is a Yiddish you term. Can, you you can let, leave it to Tanya. <laughs> that's great uh winter storm says dream big do more than that yep agreed and so i think you know good to have big thoughts then put in more work to do it so we have one more question from eric here and i wanted to hit you up with this before we shut her down mm-hmm. eric says if, if there's time to ask seb how do you talk about death with your group mm-hmm. in the case of the woman pat you mentioned for example mm-hmm. so i think that's probably you know a struggle with a lot of people is dealing with not only their own mortality, but others as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. The very first time that I spoke about death during a mental health walk had to do with dogs. And it was a conversation with somebody that had said something to the effect of, uh, I've lost my you know best friend, my dog, and, uh, I'll never, I'll never have another one again. And, and obviously I couldn't let that. I couldn't let that go. I couldn't. No, I couldn't. Wait, could you I just slide. You, you can't, right? Because no. because it's like, oh, really? So what else are you not going to do on account of potentially losing someone you might get attached to? Are you going to bubble wrap yourself and go hide in a in a countryside and make sure to never build a relationship ever on account of we all have a limited time here? What are we even trying to control here? This isn't working. You know, it's the same with our kids. And it's and it's very unfortunate, but we give them the tools, we give them as much as we can. But at the end of the day, they have their predicated path in this life journey and things are going to happen. And there's things that you're not going to be there to be able to prevent and trying to prevent everything bad from happening to them is just is going to create additional issues, you know. And so at the end of the day, we're not controlling who stays and who leaves and who's there and who isn't the next day. 
We just were not. So I'm not worried about trying to control that. What I am controlling is my response to this. And as long as we are honest with ourselves with respect to our longevity, with respect to the amount of time that we're on this planet, with respect to the fact that life is finite and that death isn't the end of life, it's part of it. Like stop making it sound like somehow every time it happens, it's a shocking surprise, right? Because it's not, like it's absolutely not shocking, right? And I think for me, it was, this was exemplified over the course of a 20-year career where I buried, you know, 32 or 33, you know, cops, like to, to murder. I mean, not to anything else, you know, and, 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 uh, and again, we, we've all lost obviously friends and in, in operational theaters, but it's the same, you know, when, when my mom passed away, for example, and, and this was another, another case of, look, your life is falling apart now in, in talking to my sister, for example, or my aunt, and just having that reiteration that look, what, what would that person want you to do right now? Like if that person was given one chance to tell you what their expectations of you are, what do you think those expectations will be. And if you know them well enough, you know exactly what they would say. I don't need Sean Taylor to be here to know what he's going to tell me if I tell him something. You know what I mean? And so for me, it was all about, you can't live life like this. Stop trying to control everything. You have zero control, but you have control over how much time and the use of the time that you have with the things that you love or the, the people that you love. And that is where your focus needs to be. Not when their own journey is coming to an end. You know, that has nothing to do with you at all. And so make that life and make their, that connection as strong as it possibly can be until that connection is no longer, you know, what else, what else is there? Anyway, so it, it's kind of, it was the first time I really addressed death was in relation to, uh, and then of course with Pat, I'm, I'm, I'm not sugarcoating things. I truly believe that humans are doing themselves a disservice by putting their head in the sand when it comes to death. Mm -hmm. You have to domesticate it. You have to make it a part of your regular mindset. It reminds you to do the things that you need to be doing in the very limited amount of time that you have. It's kind of like a deadline. Give anybody schoolworks and give them no deadline and, and, and tell me how you know productive they will be. And so thinking about death daily, memento mori, so to speak, for me is, is a constant reminder to do more with less time, you know? Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> Tanya uh, commented on this as you were talking is pain is the price of admission for having loved or for growth. I agree. I think that's a hundred percent accurate. There's a, in the Jewish, Jewish tradition, there's a line when somebody passes away. And I think it's fantastic is let their memory be a blessing. And it's because it's not about them physically, right? Cause they're physically, they're gone. Okay, cool. But enjoy the memory, enjoy the times that you had with them. Enjoy that, uh, the depth of that relationship that you had and keep that as a blessing rather than let it, letting it sink in as a, as a negative consistent thing throughout your life. John, you got a thought? I can see your hand. on. Yeah. The <laughs> I was just chewing over that. I think that's a great statement. I, I don't think I've ever heard it uh, stated as part of a religion. I didn't know it was a, a sad thing, but it's cool. I dig it. What it did make me think of though, was something completely different though. It does relate. And that is, uh, yeah. Uh, I may not die physically uh, today, but I could die virtually today if I shut this whole program down, me mm -hmm. being part of podcasting or whatever. And so then that begs the question of 
um, the impact that we have in our physical lives versus the impact that we have in our virtual lives. And I think that probably our virtual lives to some degree as, as we move forward in the future will have a bigger impact than our physical lives. So, you know, the amount of people that'll stand at my grave site and say, hey, it was all right, will be less than the amount of people virtually who will virtually eyeball my grave site and say, yeah, it was all right. Uh, and I think uh, the virtual life will continue on longer than the physical life, uh, certainly in a digital space, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah totally can agree. rest assured of that. Um, so we are just about time here. Fantastic conversation. Thank you very much. Both of you guys been very poignant, I think. Um, Seb, any final thoughts on anything we've gone over today on the walks on any of the points that we've hit so far? Sure. Yeah. Just one thing. So I've had, I've had several people approach me over the years and ask like, Hey, can we affiliate our walk to your walk and, you know, run one locally in the interior or, or, or wherever else. And so I am a hundred percent for that. Like the goal isn't for me to be, and you don't have to ask me for permission, but if you would like to affiliate with us and, and call your, your walk to mental health walk, you know, 2023 or a 2022 and create a group that runs out of Kelowna what I am prepared to do is to give you all the assistance that you need, which means having the conversations about what my discussion point is for the week. And so we can jump on Zoom, have that conversation. And if that, you know, triggers something in you or, or if, if, if give you, it gives you something that you are capable of communicating, then we can just say, let's have our biweekly meeting and really discuss what we're going to discuss at the next walk and make it consistent sort of across the board, even though there will be differences, which we want that yeah. and we want it to be a little bit different. But if you are interested in that, I'm all in, let's, let's, let's do it. But you have to, you have to attack it with some consistency. We don't want something that starts and fizzle off. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a good idea. I hadn't really thought about the consistency of sort of a, not a programmed uh, topic every two weeks, but certainly some consistent topic every two weeks. Because, mm -hmm. man, you could get some wild child who's, who starts up a program in the middle of Manitoba or whatever the case is, and now he or she is saying all kinds of wacky-do subjects. 100%. So, yeah, that's wise, man. I like that. Mm -hmm. Sean, any final thoughts before we shut her down? No, not at all. Um, it was a good conversation. I covered a lot of good ground. And hopefully this encourages people to sit down after this potty and think a little more deeply and, and maybe even give feedback, uh, I, I suppose, is my how I'm going to sum up is I'd love to get some feedback uh, moving forward on these various podcasts and on the subjects that we're covering whether we're going too deep, not deep enough, whether it would have been better to tangentially move into another area, et cetera, et cetera. We're trying to shape this thing, but we appreciate everyone helping us shape it together as a group. Absolutely. If there are topics that y'all want to hear, shoot them to me. I will put them in my list and we will make sure to cover them. If we're going too deep into say jujitsu and you guys are like, Oh man, we are talking do. about jujitsu again. Let's not, let's not do that. Let us know. So shoot me a message on Instagram, either on the collective or on my personal one, uh, or shoot us an email. It's in the comment list or in the uh, comment bar there. So hit us up. Let us know what's going on. That way, not only can you learn, build, and grow, but we can learn, build, and grow, and we could do it together every day here on the collective. <laughs> we'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo. <laughs>